checking out the podcast this week. My name is Michael Gray. His name is Scott Hershey. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, really excited this week to talk to Brian Ashmore, graphic artist who's had his hands in so many of my favorite nerd world kind of um, marketplaces. All of my favorite franchises, Marvel and DC and Star Wars. He's drawing pictures of dogs. <laughs> this guy's all right with me. I've never even talked to him before. I've known Brian since fifth grade, and uh, I wasn't surprised to find out that he was chosen to do actual comic books. He was comic yes. book artist for Batman and the Incredible Hulk, long doing so, along with doing some other projects that we're going to talk to him about in those worlds that you took, the big franchises, Star Wars. So it's going to be cool to see what he's got to say about that. Yeah, I've got big, big questions about that. First, though, uh, local news broke earlier this week. And this is a this is a story that starts out like so many others and then takes an awful turn. Uh, we had yet another uh, person have an altercation with a bison. Nobody's ever had an altercation with a bison and come out better for it. Uh, down at Yellowstone, we talk about the uh, bison petting season. It had begun some time ago. If you're coming to Montana and you can hear our voices, you're probably going to go to Yellowstone or Glacier. You're probably going to see some animals. Stay the hell away from them. All the way away from them. Your phone has a telephoto thing on it. You should, you know, you should zoom in. Yes. You do the zoom. Don't do feet zoom. Don't get closer to the animal because it could end <sighs> up in a really, really bad situation, and it did. You don't need a selfie that badly. Yellowstone National Park advises 25 yards. For those of you bad at math, that's 75 feet. And a woman this week, a 25-year-old woman from Ohio, got within 10. That is 65 fewer than 75, and she lost her life. Uh, she's no longer with us. She got gored by a female bison that decided, you're too close. I don't like it. I'm going to move you to a more appreciable distance. And in the process, she killed her. And this is something that you talk, you and I talk about in our day jobs for the Montana Radio Company every single year. Yep. And it is not taking a tragic turn like this. Bears do this on occasion, usually not in the park, but the bears are murder machines. Everybody knows that. The, the bison attack is something that could have happened a couple dozen times just in the last few years. It hasn't had these tragic consequences uh, to this point, but this week it did, and it is a reminder why those rules are in place. They're not cute. They're not fun. They're not entertained by your selfie needs. And um, It's a dangerous situation that we've almost uh, joked about too much because it can end this way, and it right. did. You know, a person getting tossed in the air, and then they get back on their feet and they run away is funny. That's what we think, and and that person has bumps and bruises. That's that's what we say. That's really what we've become accustomed to seeing in videos. And and in this particular case, what can happen did happen, and this woman lost her life. It's it's a serious thing, and uh, you know we're not making light of that at all. But uh, we all know that's possible, and and that's why they say. Don't get too close to the animals. Very, very possible with a bear. I mean, a lot of people know this bear is very dangerous. The bison, it feels like a lot of people just don't take them as seriously as we who have been around Yellowstone and know this and have the knowledge of it. We take it seriously, and this this is ultimately what could happen, and it did. Yeah, female bison, by the way, uh, up to 1,000 pounds. And very quick. Four to five feet in height, you would be amazed at what an animal that weighs half a ton can do in terms of quick twitch speed. You will not be able to react. And I was I was already with my, of course, it's somebody from Ohio jokes, because as we know, yeah. Ohio, my least favorite state. 
But all of that goes by the wayside when these things turn uh, the way this thing turned. And it can happen. It can happen to you. It could happen to somebody you know. Everybody's busy taking selfies. Everybody's busy taking video. Everybody's trying to have that cute moment for the gram. And it can end very, very tragically. And it did. Um, you know, there's a 25-year-old that should spend most of next week talking about the crazy time they had in my uh, in Wyoming and Montana. And they're not. They're, they're not with us anymore. Yeah, I don't For the know. love of all. Follow those regulations. I don't know if people understand how quick they can be. Um, they can see how big they are. This is like, right. to me, it's like stepping out in traffic. Why do we not step out in traffic? Because we're not able to dodge cars. This is what you're trying to do when you get too close to a bison. Is suddenly, that animal decides to come after you, and you don't have the moves to get away from it. Nope. It is, it's sad, and uh, you know the, the best we can hope for is that somebody else understands this now more seriously and doesn't do it next time. All right. Now, that's a, a weird way to start. We normally try to be a little more positive than that, and we will turn that around as we welcome our guest, uh, Brian Ashmore, to the show. Brian, how are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. Um, man, I am looking forward to this conversation. I know it's a it's a Montana-centric uh, podcast that we do here, finding people in and around the state of Montana to talk to. I just want to do nerdy comic book stuff for as long as we have you. Scott made me promise that I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> Um, it's amazing your portfolio and all of the things that you've done as an artist. I found myself uh, going down the uh, the spider hole that is just watercolor portraits of the family dog. Um, ah, you've right? you found yourself in a lot of very very different kind of avenues. Uh, you know, just for people that don't know you and don't know your story, how do you how do you end up being a, an artist full time the way you are with your your studio and your website and all of that? Well, I, you know, it's, it's been kind of a long journey. I, you know, as a kid, I always loved art and loved comics. Um, and then ended up studying art in college. Um, there was a, a, a comic book convention down in San Diego each year. It still is. It's, it's a giant event every year. And so I just went down there every year and showed my work to different editors at different companies and uh, took their critiques and their advice and tried to get better at what I do and eventually uh, landed a gig with DC Comics. So, You know, and uh, I'm the least surprised person, was the least surprised person when I heard that you had done that, Brian, because Brian and I go way back to about fifth grade when Brian was yep. drawing comic book characters in Star Wars then. In fact, Brian's the first person that I knew in my life that had seen Star Wars and he saw it a lot. And so, uh, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to realize that that life goal of, uh, of getting to draw those characters that you'd been doing since you were a kid. But when you first talk to these guys, what's it like? Because you got to carry on a franchise. You have to portray, like uh, when you do Batman, you have to portray Batman in, in your, your series, your Absolution series, as they, as they see it and as they would like it to be portrayed along with your own interpretation. What are those conversations like at the beginning? Um, you know, it, with DC, you know, Batman's such a versatile character that there was uh, some leeway to kind of do what I wanted to do. Uh, there, there were already different versions of the character, different costumes and things like that. So, so they gave me a lot of leeway. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I was working on that book back... Um, uh, when the internet and email was sort of young. And so I was corresponding with DC a lot via email. And so that was, it kind of felt like cheating back then, but that's, 
that was the majority of the correspondence I had with them. Um, it, it went pretty smoothly. They they were pretty much on board with everything I did. There weren't a lot of changes. They um, would look at sketches of the pages before I would do the final paintings, and uh, they'd come back and say, "Yeah, looks good. Let's let's go with it." And I I do the final paintings, and then I'd send them to New York. So. Brian, what kind of pressure do you feel from the fan base when you're dealing with something as, you know, iconic as Batman, for instance? Um, you know, I didn't feel too much because what I was doing was outside of the regular story continuity. Um, what I did was a, it was a hardcover um, standalone story. And so there weren't too many fan eyes on the project while it was uh, being developed, while it was being created. Um, but after it, it got out, um, that was kind of a new experience for me, you know, being able to hear people's, um, critiques, <laughs> <laughs> opinions of the work, you know, directly, you know, that was something that was new then too. I mean, before the internet, you, you did something like this and, you know, maybe you heard from a few voices at a convention or, you know, things like that, but but never before such an onslaught of opinions. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not doing one these days because <laughs> the, the opinions are even more rampant and, and varied. So. so you started off with, uh, with Batman. Uh, I, I, and what was your, what was your initial thoughts and what was your take on Batman? I mean, you know, we've seen film versions, as you said, there's, there's various, even more so now uh, versions of Batman. When you, when you entered this, what were your thoughts about, your version of that iconic character well you know it my you know everybody that has their own batman so to speak because you know based on on when you grew up and and what what films you you enjoy that type of thing my batman has always been more of a classic batman one who's you know sort of in the circus leotard and and that that basic batman costume from from back in the day so i really wanted to make sure that he he seemed classic. Um, there was a, a an animated series. Uh, it's called Batman: The Animated Series that that just really nailed who Batman was as a character. And so, one of my goals, and whether it came through or not, was to sort of create a, a realistic version of, of that Batman in terms of how he looked. So, that was my intent to some degree. How much self-scouting do you do in a project like that? How many, you know, you talk about the feedback that you get when you're talking to the folks in New York, but what about you as you're working through drafts and then, you know, have a final, what you feel like is a final product? Are you still picking it apart yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when I look, look at the book these days, you know, I, <laughs> I, I see so many things that, that could be so much better and, and done better. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you're doing it, you're, you're just doing the best you can. You're, you know, trying to, um, live up to what people expect, what's gone before, um, that kind of thing. And with Batman, this has been a little bit of time since you've done that. Uh, how has, how is that in the eyes of the fans? How has it aged? Have, you know, as collectors got their hands on your books, I'm sure you kind of keep an eye on that and kind of understand where you fall into the, uh, into the kind of the order of things with Batman now quite a few years down the road. Well, you know, if I'm being perfect, perfectly honest, 
it's one of those books that's kind of been lost to time a little bit. Um, there was a time um, when I would see it on the shelf, like at Barnes and Noble, that type of thing a lot. Um, it's not really a book that's talked about um, these days or that I see in collections much. Um, it, it's an odd story. It's, um, it's a story about Batman chasing down a terrorist, this, this woman who's a terrorist. Um, and it asks a lot of questions about whether somebody um, can be redeemed, whether they can uh, change their ways, change their life and become a different person, become a, a productive, um, well-meaning person. And so he, he encounters this woman who's a terrorist uh, many years later, and she's, she's basically a saint. She's, she's living a life helping lots of people. And so he's kind of um, stuck trying to figure out if she's, she's worth apprehending or not at that point. So it was kind of an odd Batman story. It didn't have all the trappings of a typical Batman story, like the Batcave and a Batmobile. It was basically Batman traveling around the world, <clears throat> pardon me, traveling around the world trying to catch this this criminal, this terrorist. And how much? So, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. So, so it 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 was a thrill to do the book. It was it was fun to see it get launched, but it's it's not. <laughs> If I'm being perfectly honest, it's not a book that that uh, at least at this point is something that, that fans kind of talk about. When you're creating these things, how much of the story is running through your head versus the amount of just technical ability that you've got to have to create the images? Um, it, it's kind of a balance because as a comic artist, you're given a script, kind of like a movie script. And it's it's broken down by pages and panels. So um, you have all the dialogue, you have um, a page that describes what's going on in each panel and how many panels are on that page. And so, yeah, I mean, you're involved in the story. You're, you're wanting to make sure the characters are conveying um, the emotions and the things that they're saying in the story. But yeah, there's also the technical aspect of it too, of, you know, laying out the panels, making sure that, um, the the pages flow, that the artwork flows and leads the viewer through the panels, uh, that type of thing. And did the uh, did the Batman work? Did the Absolution book? Did that open doors for these other uh, major franchise products that you did? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It it did do that. It it opened up the door to do. Um, uh, quite a bit of work with Marvel, at least for a short time. Um, I, I did a National Geographic uh, magazine illustration. Um, the editor there had seen, seen the Batman book. So, so yes, it did lead to other work. How big of a fan of, of comics were you previous to your work with DC and Marvel? Oh, a huge fan. I, I mean, it, th that's the thing is I was a huge Batman fan, a huge comics fan. And so basically my goal, my lifelong dream up to that point was to do a Batman book. And so when I got to do one pretty much right out of the gate, it was, it was like a dream come true. So yeah, yeah, I was a big comics fan. So, so it was definitely the culmination of a dream. So having never been plagued with a lot of uh, lifelong goals achieved, what do you, what do you do? You're like, I want to do a Batman book. And then you do the Batman book. You're like, all right, well, I, I guess I'm done now. I'll get on a rocket to Mars. and <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> there, there, 
that. I mean, I, I finished the Batman book. I finished the Hulk series. And uh, they took so much time that it really kind of was a detriment to, them, to my family. And so I had kind of reached a point where it's like I had to make some decisions about whether I was going to try to stay in that business or not. And I, I chose to leave um, so I could spend more time with my family. Um, <laughs> what was the question again? I'm sorry. No, I, 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 where do you go after that? Well, like, yeah, I think you answered it. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, so I definitely went through kind of, I want to say almost like an early midlife crisis after finishing Hulk because I had gotten to the point where I'd, I'd done what I wanted to do and you know, and, and, and looking at the rest of my life, wondering, well, what, what do I do now? You know, what, <laughs> you know, if I can't do this, if I can't do comics anymore, what do I do? And so, so yeah, that's, that's been a bit of a journey as well. Well, you mentioned the Hulk, uh, another iconic character, another project. And it, as you took that one on, so what, what were uh, different people, different, uh, kind of a different approach, uh, was it was it once you did Batman? I mean, that's kind of the pinnacle. But uh, taking on the Hulk, what was your what was your thought process there as kind of a the, the next one down the road? I, I was thrilled to do Hulk. It, you know, as far as characters that I grew up with, uh, my my favorites were things like Batman, Spider Man, Hulk. So so doing Hulk was was also kind of a dream come true. I, I love doing that character. It was a lot of fun. There weren't as many variations of the Hulk at that time as there are now with all the movies and everything. But uh, but you had an opportunity to kind of take on that character in your own way. Was there was there another thought like outside like okay, what do I do with this guy now? Um, not so much. I mean, I was trying to make sure he looked like the character that that people we're used to, you know, which is too, too tough. <laughs> Big green guy with purple shorts. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, with the Hulk stuff, they were trying to get the first issue out to correspond with the, the first Hulk movie that came out like in 2003, something like that. So they wanted the first issue um, to be released the week that that film was released. And so uh, the first issue was kind of a, kind of a, a rush, you know, to get everything done and, and get it, you know, in the can, so to speak, in time for that. And as a fan of the comic book genre, and, and I grew up, my dad was a huge comic book collector as a kid, and he kind of passed a little bit of that on to me, and my son has picked it up. The movies obviously have accelerated the awareness and the kind of the the platform for all of these characters. Is it is it working for you as a comic book fan as you see what the, the movies are doing to these things? Are you, are you enjoying that process or do you wish they'd leave them alone? <laughs> you know, I, I am enjoying it. You know, I, I feel like we've almost reached a point of a bit of overload in terms of comic book movies. I remember, you know, 20, 30 years ago, comic fans were kind of chomping at the bit, hoping for, for films based on, on comics and, they kind of trickled out and they were kind of hit and miss. And, and these days, you know, they can do anything they want visually. And so they, they've kind of just blown the doors wide open. Um, I, you know, I, I enjoy a lot of it, a lot of it. I'm kind of getting burned out, honest, burned out on, honestly. Um, I love the new Batman movie. I, I thought that was different enough and, and interesting. So now, with these uh, franchises, uh, you, okay, Batman, Hulk, 
I mean, if you just started naming them off the top of your head, you're going to come up with Star Wars. And I know, as I said, you were the first kid I ever knew that, that saw Star Wars in the theaters and all of us was in fifth grade. What is it like? What was it like? So I know how much of a Star Wars fan you are. I know what a collector you are. You did a series of cards uh, doing basically all of the Star Wars characters and sketch version. What was it like working with, uh, with the Star Wars people and, and Lucasfilm and kind of that entity that is so, so huge? Oh, that was, it was great. You know, like you mentioned, always been a big Star Wars fan. And so um, to get to do anything Star Wars was, was huge to me back then. Um, and the first, I, I haven't done a lot of Star Wars work. I, you know, I, I've done some trading cards for the uh, Tops company, which most people know that, you know, is doing sports cards, that type of thing. Um, but the first Star Wars card that I did was was really cool because it was a series where they hired artists to do um, scenes and events from the Star Wars story that that hadn't been seen in the films. And so my first Star Wars card was a depiction of uh, and this and mind you, this was before the prequels um, had been created or even talked about. Um, I did a card of Anakin Skywalker and um his wife who turned out to be uh padme in the in the film series um holding a baby which I, I i think i meant to be luke and so he was kind of looming in the background uh while she was holding the baby and his shadow cast on the wall was in the shape of darth vader that type of thing and it was really neat to be doing something like that but what happened was when the series of cards actually was released mine was gone it wasn't in there. And so I contacted the editor at Tops and said, hey, you know, what's the deal? Where's my card? And he said, well, George Lucas went through the images and he pulled um, several of the, the card images because they were too close to what he's planning to do with the uh, with the new series of films, you know, which ended up being episode one, two and three. And so so my my first Star Wars job did get pulled. But they, they did print it later on in a, in a different series. So that was cool. But it got pulled because it was too close to the vision of the grandfather of the whole thing. That's got to be a <laughs> weird situation to be in. Oh, yeah. There, there, was, there was kind of a double-edged sword. You know, it was, it was kind of defeating to have my card missing. But it was kind of cool to know that George Lucas himself had, <laughs> had seen it and, and yanked it. So. And it's interesting because I, I'm looking at a website that actually has your cards on it called uh, StarWarsSketchCards.com, and you're among okay. the, the Heritage series there. And as, as I look at it, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of other artists who have done the same thing. But as I look at your particular cards, knowing you, and uh, it, it, it looks like such an easy assignment for you. You've been doing Star Wars portraits with a pencil and with very, you know, kind of simplistic uh, things since I was a kid. So it had to be kind of a dream job, like, oh, I do this anyway. Way. I've been doing it. I just need to submit them to these guys and and get those cards out. Absolutely, yeah. That that was a fun project, and, and the, the cards you're talking about were actually original art. So, um, Tops would send artists, you know, 200, 300 cards, whatever you agreed to, and you would actually the artist would actually do original uh, little pencil drawings or however they wanted to do the cards. I did pencil drawings. And so they would get these 200, 300 little original drawings back, and then they'd insert them randomly into the packs. And so people who were buying the cards and opening them 
a lot of times could could find like an original artist drawing in their in their pack, which was kind of kind of cool. Now, Brian, you've made mention of it uh, here today, and I know it's on your website as well. You talk about these big projects and everything that went with it. Um, but one of the byproducts of that is some isolation that you know you've written about and some of the things that you had to deal with for aspiring artists that are out there. And obviously the awareness of this stuff is at an all time high. There've got to be kids out there that want to do this and that think that it'd be great. Um, you know, I'd be curious to get your take and on just exactly what that entails from a personal standpoint, because it, it extends beyond the work itself. Sure. Yeah. It, for, it, yeah. It is kind of a, it's um, <laughs> to, to be an artist, at least, you know, working full time as an artist is, is, especially if you work in your own studio and you're not working with a group of artists, it's, it's very isolating. And it's, it's, it's funny, the older I get, the, the more, <laughs> the more like a hermit I, I become. So I, I have to be kind of conscious of that and, and try to make connections with people, try to go out to lunch uh, with people, do that kind of thing. But yeah, um, being an artist is, especially a comic artist or somebody like that that has to do a lot of production work and it just takes long hours alone um it's it's gratifying in one in one way but it, it, like you say it's also very isolating it can be a bit lonely sometimes so and if we have anybody listening like that who uh, maybe looks at this as kind of an aspiration now uh, the first step is to have your work published in the weekly reader when you're in uh, fourth or fifth grade because i know uh, that that is one of your first publications i remember that as a kid the weekly reader would come out and and brian ashmore is in the weekly reader and that was that was a huge deal so there's your first stepping stone right yeah yeah that <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, that was, that was kind of, uh, let's see, what was that? That was a contest that um, Weekly Reader put out. Lucasfilm did it through Weekly Reader and they were um, asking kids to uh, create their own Star Wars uh, cantina alien. And, and this was, this was right after the first film. There was nothing but the first film. So, so kids would all, you know, they'd send in their drawings of their creations of these different alien characters. And yeah, like Scott said, I, I, ha I had mine picked. I was one of the runner-ups, but yeah. <laughs> hey man, I grew up with a weekly reader. If you'd have put anything that I did in that thing, I'd have felt like I scored a headline in the New York Times. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I, I remember, um, like, I can't remember. Somebody, I was at recess and one of, I think, I'm not going to name names. Somebody said, Hey, you're in the weekly reader. And so I, I couldn't wait to get back in and, and get the teacher to, to hand them out. <laughs> I think I was up at her desk right away saying, Hey, can we, can we hand out the weekly reader? Can we, can we get that done? So. I also have to tell you that uh, that Brian's got one of the most impressive uh, toy collections. I, I I've seen pictures of some Star Wars stuff. He's if you ever see on the internet, there's a picture that's been passed around a little probably uh, too much of the uh, evil Knievel toy from the original '70s. Brian still has that. He's that guy who has all the Star Wars, the, a lot of the Star Wars stuff. So how much of that do you still have, Brian? Oh, you know, it, a lot. I, I'm lucky that that I'm one of those kids whose parents kind of stuffed a lot of things away in boxes instead of garage selling and we're throwing them away. So, so yeah, I've still got all my old star Wars toys. And like you said, evil Knievel, six, $6 million man, that kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a big nerd, but 
Yeah, I love my toys. Now, see, on the on the other hand, I was so glad to find out that my mom got rid of most of my Transformers and my GI Joes and my Star Wars guys when I was a kid because I would be I've moved all over the country and I would have drugged them everywhere. Probably would have cost me my wife. I don't imagine she would have thought that was too cute if my guest room was just nothing but action figures, but it absolutely could have been. Right, right. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm an artist too. So I have a studio. <laughs> Do you have? Uh, <laughs> I have a- to have all the stuff on the walls so do you have interest in uh in doing more of that is there anything like that because i know you've uh, you've still got a website brianashmore.com where you're doing current artwork that's more along the lines of a traditional fine artist uh but is there is there still kind of that possibility that uh that maybe you can get a phone call and, and they might have you do something else for these uh these major franchises um you know to be honest probably not um <laughs> it's it's better been a been a minute and so um i don't know i mean i could pursue that i'm i'm enjoying um doing things that that don't involve so much pressure and so much scrutiny so well and and brian i know sir Go ahead. I know that, you know, I, I tend to think of artists in the, like, the typical movie sense of the word. If you're an artist, well, you obviously live in a city and you have a loft above a busy street and your life is very urban. Uh, you don't. You live here in Montana. How do you marry those two worlds? Well, it, it's funny. Like when, when I was doing a lot of projects for, for bigger companies and things, the, the Internet and um, – being able to transfer things digitally uh, was a huge thing. You know, when I was growing up uh, learning art, when I was going to school for art, that wasn't even a possibility. So I, at that point, I didn't know whether I would end up moving somewhere like New York or wherever to, to do this. And it just sort of lined up perfectly where, you know, you could correspond with people instantly. You could FedEx things back and forth. You could, you know, eventually you could send things back and forth digitally. So, yeah, it's the technology has really opened up the world uh, for artists. Um, you can you can work from anywhere these days. And Brian was part of a uh, artist pool going back even uh, before Batman and stuff where uh, you were doing like T-shirts in Montana, Montana and, and, and T-shirts that would be sold at uh, souvenir shops and things like that, where you had to crank out a bunch of art uh, all at, you know, that was your nine to five job with some other right. fantastic artists. Carol Hagen, I know, is one of them in this state. who was very well known. And uh, and that's kind of a uh, to me, I, th- I thought that was a really unique experience as an artist to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, that was actually a very good experience for me. I worked for a, a company uh, here in my town that did souvenir shirts for places all over the U.S., uh, different uh, theme parks, the uh, uh, parks like Yellowstone and Yosemite, uh, places like that, Statue of Liberty. So it, it was a great experience because it forced us as artists to draw just about anything you can think of. It's where I started drawing a lot of animals, a lot of wildlife t-shirts and things like that. Lots of, um, lots of buildings and uh, landscapes and things like that. And, and yeah, I, I did work with Carol Hagen and uh, you, you, that you mentioned, and she actually um, in the Batman book, she, was kind enough to pose as for me for the main character in, in that book, the, the terrorist. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that I did not know. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's Carol. So I, I'm forever in debt to her for all the hours that she posed for those those uh, those paintings. So. Her, her artwork is really well known in the state, and it's kind of shocking to me because uh, uh, me being kind of a part time artist, uh, being you know growing up and having somebody like you who was has reached uh, this point to where there there's Batman book out there with your name on it and and kind of the the major accomplishments that you've done and and being in the same grade school classes as, and, and middle school classes with, with Tim Schinnebarger, who's also at the top of the art world, the Western art world. He's a bronze sculptor. And uh, those, yeah. you know, all, the, all of us in one class and then to know that these are the guys I grew up with. I've seen your drawings from the time you're in fifth grade. It's kind of amazing what Montana has for artists. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's fun to think, you know, I, I think back to when you and I were in high school and, and in art classes together, you know, <laughs> those are great times. So scale of one to 10, how disappointed should people be that Scott hasn't done more? <laughs> <laughs> I think Scott's done great. <laughs> I don't think anybody's surprised by any disappointment I've ever left them with. So that's a, uh, that's this another of a long laundry list is what that is. So what's, what's your, uh, what, what do you got ahead of you, Brian? What are you working on now? And what are you looking to do? Well, you, you've kind of mentioned sort of what I'm plugging away at right now. I'm I'm selling work through a, a gallery downtown in Billings, the uh, Toucan Gallery. Um, so I'm I'm doing paintings for that for them. Um, uh, you mentioned my my pet portrait business. I, <laughs> I'm enjoying doing uh, portraits of people's pets for them in, in watercolor, um, and that that's a little section on my website. Um, I'm also doing some online, uh, I've been hired by a, a website in the Netherlands to do some watercolor instructional videos. So I'm working my way through those. Oh, wow. Um, those will be up. So, well, another, yeah, just a high, lot of different things. Another uh, high profile thing that, that well, kind of a high profile to a certain uh, segment of the population that I remember you doing was, uh, and I saw him and had no idea it was you at the time. And then eventually later figured that out was <laughs> Brian did some very iconic bowling ball ads. I'm not kidding you. These bowling ball ads are known by so many bowlers across the country. And uh, and I saw it was for the Hammer Ebonite Company, and it was yep. for Hammer bowling balls and all these. And and it's funny that uh, that in uh, in this completely separate hobby world I have of bowling, there's Brian Ashmore again doing these, and I still see him pop up sometimes today. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That that was that was a really interesting project because um, the Ebonite Bowling or, or Hammer had come to me and they, they were wanting their image to be more cutting edge and more um, kind of street tough in a, in a way. Yeah. And so they had me do uh, different people kind of almost like uh, uh, I did one uh, male figure for their poster kind of a tough guy with tattoos and that kind of thing and then the rest were uh female uh portraits of different females with, with like tattoos and and, and the, the theme was always holding a big sledgehammer like they were like they were really tough so <laughs> yeah it, it was that was a fun project it kind of lasted for quite a few years they kept coming back and, and having me do do a new one every once in a while well, and Brian, you've mentioned living here in Montana and being able to, uh, you know, maintain your residence and stay in the business that you're in. And you've also talked about making sure that you prioritize 
time away and taking breaks when you're not in your studio, when you're not working on uh, these amazing work, uh, these portraits and things, what do you do? What do you do to take a break? Um, <laughs> I wish I had a very interesting life that I could tell you all about. Um, you know, I have a big family. I have four boys. And so um, they're, they're all mostly grown, but it seems like my wife and I's spare time is usually, at least lately, has been involved in, in things like graduations and, and dealing with, with things in their lives. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm a boring person. I, I like to watch movies. I like to uh, play games, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not, not much all that exciting. I'll tell you what, it's funny, is if you go to YouTube and uh, check out uh, Brian's videos, you will be fascinated. Uh, you know, as an artist, uh, if you are an artist in any way, check them out because um, watching the process to me is always fun because I was, you know, uh, I painted. Uh, a lot of people have painted. A lot of people are now interested in painting uh, maybe more than ever. But if you watch one of those kind of the way somebody like Brian does it, it is always fascinating to me. And, and I love the YouTube videos. So uh, keep those up. And and uh, and have you had a lot of reaction from artists themselves who, have, who are now following you? Thanks. Yeah, the, the, those were a lot of fun to do. And I, I probably need to get back to doing some of those. And uh, it was a lot of fun doing kind of goofy, goofy types of paintings and things. Yeah, I, I've had a, a lot of... Um, a lot of good reaction to those. Um, it's it's what led to me doing uh, the uh, the more kind of serious watercolor lessons for this other website. Um, I've met uh, quite a few other artists uh, through the YouTube videos. So yeah, it's been a great experience for the most part. You know, and anything you do online seems like uh, invites trolls to, oh. <laughs> to come, come and try to take a bite out of you. So. There, there's that and that's kind of something that you have to brush off or deal with but other than that yeah it's been a been a great experience well and that was my i think my probably initial question especially when you're dealing in the comic book realm is the fact that anything you put out there invites criticism from the thumb sucking stumble butts that do nothing but offer criticism <laughs> and that's right, like, right. that's there's a certain bravery that's in that and i don't say that i don't say that flippantly i think to have the balls to put your stuff out there and to deal with the inevitable idiots um is to be commended because your work is amazing I, i've been i've been combing through the website the entire time we've been talking and it's well, it's, Im it's impressive all the way around i don't have an artistic bone in my body so take that credit for what it's, it's nothing there's not i don't have anything compared to i can't do any of this stuff myself but it's really I'll really good work it just takes it it occurs to me it takes a great deal of spine to put that out there knowing that there's a certain portion of the population that just exists to piss on anything they can right yeah absolutely and and it's it's funny any any artist that I've talked to who who has work out there in the public sphere deals with it. They deal with uh, it. Just people are nuts. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, they are. You know, the things that they come up with to to criticize or to try to put people down over is just incredible. But well, speaking yeah. of people who are nuts, just, do you uh, do you ever think about going to Comic Con again? And and if you did, would there would you be signing autographs uh, for some people? Is that uh, is that something you you would go back and visit? I don't know. I'm an old man now, Scott, so <laughs> I don't know if anybody would uh, <laughs> would remember my work or not. But you know, it's funny. I I I went to the Comic Con every year faithfully, up until getting the books to do, 
Um, and then they used all my time for a few years. And then um, I kind of didn't want to look at another comic again <laughs> for, for a while. Um, but yeah, I've always kind of wanted to go back down there, actually, just as a fan to be able to soak it all in and not be so concerned about showing my work to editors and, and trying to get jobs. So yeah, maybe someday that, that, that San Diego Comic-Con has really turned into a major, major event. So do you think you could separate the two as an artist? Could you walk into something like Comic-Con and just be a fan without having an itch to either jump in and show your work again, or to start kind of critiquing what's being offered from everyone else? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I think I'm probably enough years removed from doing the work to, to enjoy it kind of as a fan. I, I don't have a lot of desire to try to hop back into that world, uh, just knowing uh, it, it was grueling. And and to say grueling as an artist is, is kind of a silly thing because there are jobs that are truly grueling. But, you know, it, it was seven days a week, 12, 14 hours a day uh, for couple of years straight and part of that was just that I, I I'm not a fast artist I you know it takes me a lot of time to do the work that I do and and that compounded working on the comics trying to get things done in time and so I ended up having to spend so much time to get those those pages done but yeah to answer your question I, I yeah I think at this point I probably could separate things out pretty well and just kind of enjoy uh, the spectacle of the thing without worrying about, you know, whether I could get a job or whether I, you know, could find somebody to show my work to that type of thing. Well, I'll tell you what, Brian, uh, I, I would encourage everybody to check out your Instagram and check out your website and all your work, because one, one thing's for certain is that uh, comic book artists um, aren't just comic book artists. And, and the artwork has come a long ways from the uh, from the really old uh, Batman comics. And, and yours is a perfect illustration. When you go to your Instagram page, the portraits, uh, the landscapes, the animals, everything is just unbelievable level. And so I would, I would definitely encourage people to take a look at that and, and to see what... Uh, you know, if for some people you might be a comic book artist, but I know there's just obviously so much more to that. And uh, I just really, really enjoy watching your stuff and knowing that uh, we've we've had such a history a long time together. That's the thing. The best comic book artists are artists who who are trying to. How do I put this? The best comic book artists are the ones who are um, working hard to to draw real life things and and draw all sorts of things and not just learn how to draw from other comic artists, but try to uh, perfect their drawing and their craft by looking at the real world and, and doing art that's that can stand on its own and not just in comics. Well, man, your stuff is incredibly impressive. We'll include uh, links to the Instagram and the website there in the show notes. People can grab that and go direct and, and check out what you've been doing. It's really, really neat to see the kind of franchises you've been associated with and how you've um, branched off from that doing your own thing and that we've got you right here in Montana and that for some reason you still return Scott Hershey's calls <laughs> is um, super impressive, man. Well, thank you. Thanks again, everybody. That is our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we will be back in a week's time. <laughs>